So yesterday, I had the privilege of helping out at a high school retreat. It's a Kairos retreat. Probably some of you have been on one of those. Any high school kids here, if you have the opportunity to go on a Kairos retreat, I highly recommend it to you. But my little part in it was that I was helping to hear uh, confessions. They celebrated the Sacrament of Reconciliation, and it was after two days already of gathering. And if you've ever been on a retreat, it's pretty intense. A lot of things come up. So, as I said, I was helping out with confessions. We started at 11.30 p.m., and there was a lot on their minds and hearts. So this Mass is basically my after-party, but <laughs> it's good to be with you. When they first arrived on Thursday, I think it was, if we had celebrated reconciliation right then, they probably would have come in with something like our first reading today in their ears, right? The Ten Commandments, we go through that. It's beautifully read, but probably very familiar words as you hear them, honor your father and mother, do not kill, do not commit adultery, all the rest of it. And probably to celebrate the sacrament, they kind of would have gone through it and, well, I haven't killed anybody, you know, that kind of thing. And for a lot of them, they said, they hadn't celebrated the sacrament in years, and they're only 17, 18 years old. But for a lot of them, it wasn't since they were in second grade, the very first time they'd done it, and then they'd never come back. And I can't entirely blame them. I wish they had come back. It breaks my heart every time I hear that. But when we teach that sacrament, we teach it in a way that's appropriate for second graders or third graders. And maybe we give them the Ten Commandments and sort of say, now go through these and what comes up for you. And that's a perfectly legitimate way to do examination of conscience. Don't hear me wrong. But as we grow up, we don't generally make decisions based on ticking off the Ten Commandments. And so last night or this morning, as they were going into the Sacrament of Reconciliation with their minds and hearts stirred, having gone through a kind of spiritual blender almost of looking deep within and inviting the Lord to be there and thinking about what's going on in my human relationships, what's going on in my mind and heart as I think about myself and think about important decisions on the horizon, where they're going to go to college, what's going on in their families. They didn't go in so much with the first reading ringing in their ears, Without their even knowing it, they went in more with the second reading ringing in their ears. So what was that second reading? Let me remind you. This is St. Paul talking to a group of the early Christians, a group that he helped shape and form. And what does he hold up to them as the center of their faith? What does he hold up to them? I mean, most of them probably raised either in Jewish faith or maybe Greeks, and he says, here's what you need to know. If you really want to know this Jesus Christ, whom I'm all about, what I'm inviting you into, if you want to go on this Kairos retreat and really get something out of it, then you've got to know one thing about Jesus. And as he says, you need to know Jesus Christ crucified. And that crucifixion, that cross, it's a real difficult thing to get over if you want to take it seriously. And so he says, you know, a lot of times what people are looking for, the last thing they're looking for is the cross. Give me a sign. So he says, Jews look for signs. Well, guess what? Everybody looks for signs. I still hear that today. 
Maybe you felt it in your own heart. I know I do at times. Lord, just let me know what you want. Give me some kind of sign. Unfortunately, that's kind of like throwing the gauntlet down to God. And we say, unless I see this, then I'm not going to believe you really want me to do it. Signs are around us 24-7. The question is, do we know how to recognize them? So that's one way of saying, I want to put Christ at the center of my life, and he's going to give me signs and tell me what to do. But Paul says another thing. He says, if the Jews look for signs, the Greeks look for wisdom. They look for knowledge. They want an argument. They want a good argument. And for a lot of people in the Catholic faith today, that's what they're looking for. Even apologetics, we call it. If I just watch one more good YouTube video, if I listen to one more podcast, if I just get the wisdom, the right words to say, then it'll all make sense for me. And again, don't get me wrong. Recognizing the sign of Jesus in our lives, gaining the knowledge to be able to understand a little bit better That's all great, but it's only going to get you so far. And Paul says, at the heart of it, at the heart of it, if you want to go into confession, not just with the Ten Commandments as a list you've ticked off, but if you really want to get to the heart of what this is all about, you've got to go through the cross of Christ. Our RCAA folks, you may want to call me John of the Cross, because a couple of weeks ago, I was here when you were given your crosses. And I talked a lot about how that cross is at the center. But it is. It's not just a sign. It's not a rational argument. It's a visceral encounter, looking deep within our own hearts and minds and saying what? These are the areas where I'm vulnerable. These are the areas where my relationships are hurting. These are the areas where I need healing. These are those areas in my life that I'd rather not go, I'd rather not touch with a 10-foot pole. And so to celebrate something like the Sacrament of Reconciliation as an adult, as a young adult, as opposed to a second grader, it's being able not simply to go through a list of sins, but to be able to say, here's what the cross looks like in my own heart. This is what it looks like in my life. This is what it looks like. And decisions I've made over the years or the decision that's on my horizon that I'm staring at right now and every fiber of my body says go in the other direction. Don't go there. Look for some sign that'll take you far away from looking at the cross. Look for some argument that says, you know, this couldn't possibly be where God is inviting you to go. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And Paul's saying, I know what that feels like. I used to be there, he's saying. But the reason I'm here now is because it has everything to do with the cross. And that isn't sadistic. It's not macabre. It doesn't mean God enjoys our suffering. But it simply means unless we're able to be brutally honest, unless we can really put it out on the table and say, okay, this is where it's hard for me to be, then we never really have hearts that are open enough to receive what God has to offer. And the only thing he has to offer, we know the words unconditional love, but that's not a consolation prize. That's everything. And if you think about the people in your life who really do love you, if you think about where you receive love, that is transformational. It doesn't magically take away the difficulty of the cross. It doesn't change external reality. 
but it changes us, at least it has the capacity to. And so when Christ goes to his cross, he doesn't go kicking and screaming. He wishes he'd rather not be there. He says that point blank in the Garden of Gethsemane. But ultimately, he has trust. He says, Father, I trust in you, even if this is difficult to be at. So for most of us, it's not going to be facing that kind of physical suffering. But the suffering is real, and it's there. And every one of us has our cross. And I could see that last night, and it was beautiful. It's one of the things I most enjoy about being a priest, to be able to celebrate that sacrament when it isn't simply at the level of how we all learned in second or third grade. Maybe that's a big part of why we stay away for years and decades, because it just doesn't make a lot of sense, maybe. And it's beautiful to be with someone, because all these things have stirred up. It's what happens on one of these retreats, right? We know that. It's just listening to other people take the facades down. And they give their witness talks. Just saying, this is who I am. You thought you knew me. But you don't know the half of it. So let me tell you. Let me tell you the joys that I've known. Let me tell you the things that I'm struggling with. And when we can see each other with that kind of honesty, we begin to see through the lens of our own hearts. Looking not at the cross so much as through it. And there's a whole new reality and possibility that's there. And that was well worth staying up to two or three in the morning to see kid after kid coming through. And all of a sudden, things were fitting together. Not magically, not overnight, but the beginning of a process. And my prayer for every one of them as they head off to college, my prayer for every one of them is the same prayer for every one of us and certainly for our RCIA candidates When you have that moment, whether it's in the sacrament or not, maybe it's a moment in your marriage, maybe it's a moment with your kids, maybe it's one moment staring in the mirror in the morning and all of a sudden you realize, I don't have to avoid this part of my heart or life anymore. I'm tired of doing that. This cross is not a brick wall, it's a threshold that's calling me in. And that's what Paul is getting at. So as a little spiritual exercise in this third week of Lent, I'd invite us all, whatever it looks like for you. The Ten Commandments are important. They're very important. And they can be a wonderful way to think about what's going on in your mind and your heart. But the Ten Commandments were in the desert to the people of Israel maybe 4,000 years ago. We have St. Paul. And he says there's another way to go about this. I was incredibly privileged to witness that just five or six hours ago. And I hope all of us have the opportunity to experience it this Lent.